Hello, and welcome to This Week in the Canadian Revolution, a podcast by Fightback, the Marxist voice of labor and youth. We live in a revolutionary epoch. The crisis of the capitalist system is creating political polarization and instability in every single country, as millions of people look for a way out. The product of this is unprecedented social upheaval and yes, revolution. Now we firmly believe that the crisis of capitalism is creating the conditions for socialist revolution. Yes, even in Canada. The point of this podcast is to provide a Marxist analysis of what Trotsky described as the molecular process of socialist revolution. This week in the Canadian Revolution, we are going to talk about the death of the Queen, the death of Queen Elizabeth II, who ruled for over 70 years, the longest serving British monarch, passed away on Thursday. Um, so this is a very important development in world politics, uh, and particularly politics of the United Kingdom and of a country like Canada, uh, which is a constitutional monarchy. And so this does have uh, repercussions on Canadian politics. So uh, with me today, I have uh, Benoit Tanguay, editor with uh, La Riposte Socialiste, uh, our French language publication and website, uh, who is going to help us uh, get to the bottom of this and describe what is going on and what a Marxist approach is on the question of the monarchy. Um, so yeah, welcome, Benoit. Hello. Um, yeah, so the media has been going absolutely crazy for the last number of days since the Queen passed away. Uh, in Canada, they've instituted a 10-day mourning period. Uh, Radio Canada said that the world claimed that the world was unanimous in praising Queen Elizabeth II. Um, there's basically demands... Um, it's a basic demand that everyone should celebrate celebrate the life of the of the of the late queen, and and along with this is any critical words about the negative role and what the monar of the queen and what the British monarchy has has actually historically done and what the British monarchy has represented and continues to represent are uh, are uh, attacked as being disrespectful and not respectful of the of the the queen um just on this i would say that this is usually coming from the right wing which is absolutely hypocritical because they are absolutely not respectful of indigenous people of people of color our workers workers on strike black people that are killed by the police um, they're absolutely not respectful at all the question is of who has died and what they represent to their system and the establishment. And I think that actually gets to the root of the responses that we are seeing to the death of the monarch. Um, but yeah, that leads a bit to yeah, what we do about it as socialists. What do people do in the movement when faced with um, the death of an important figure like the, the British monarch? And yeah, what has been the response of, I guess, the left in Canada. Um, I don't know, Benoit, you wanna, Benoit's here to help us get to the bottom of this. Yeah, 
Benoit, you want to say a few words about this? What has been the response of the left in Canada? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the response of the left, left uh, well, especially the, let's call them the, the official left, the, the big left parties, has been um, <laughs> quite shameful or kind of ridiculous in, in a way. They really bent to, to the, this politics of res respectability. You know, you have this huge institution, a pillar of of uh, Canadian uh, the, the Canadian status quo, the Canadian establishment, uh, the monarchy, and they and you cannot criticize it. So they've they've just really bent to it. And you you've seen uh, Jagmeet Singh uh, Jagmeet Singh's absolutely meaningless bland statement uh, on Twitter saying. That Queen Elizabeth II lived the life of history, uh, lived the life of history and duty, meaningless. Um, uh, no, no, no criticism, no call for abolishing the monarchy. And same with uh, Gabriel Nadeau Dubois of, of Quebec Solidaire, the left party here in Quebec, where uh, where he he sent his condolences to um, to the royal family, uh, and they, he, he wishes them. A, peaceful morning and i'm sure that brings a, a quite a lot of comfort to the royal family reading this tweet from from gnv but it's it's ridiculous coming from people who, who pretend to be on the left to to give to to lend any cr uh, credibility and to accept this this idea that we have to pay homage uh to to these these terrible people these horrible this horrible family that's been accused of harboring rapists and that's that's had at the head of an institu institution representing um centuries of oppression and colonialism and, and uh, the pillaging of uh of africa and india and uh, ireland and and quebec <laughs> uh, and the and the indigenous peoples here in in, in canada uh, it's quite shameful, actually, in the, the way that the, the left has been uh, paying homage to these people. Yeah, I, mean, I think we've seen this. I think you explained it well the, as bending to the pressure. You see this quite often when you have moments like this. The right wing, the, the capitalist establishment, the media, they, they use the emotion surrounding it to, to basically exercise uh uh get the left to bend on their political principles uh and help them justify the monarchy and increase support for it actually that's what this all means um and so this 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 represents a bending to establishment pressure uh probably the worst example that we've seen of this was you had the uh the british labor party under lord keir starmer <laughs> Uh, basically say god put out a big thing saying god save the queen they they they've they've gone full monarchist which is which which is really quite quite incredible like this statement could have been made by the british conservative party for example um yeah and this really rep just represents just bending opportunistically to that establishment pressure that's what it is uh but you've also seen things in the labor movement i think in the canadian labor movement you haven't seen much but in britain 
the RMT uh, is on, they're on strike and the, the leader of the union is supposed to be at least self-described as a Marxist. They suspended their strike for two days um, to show respect for the queen. So you see the reactionary nature of things like this play themselves out in the class struggle, actually. Um, but yeah, this has been generally the, the, the bad responses of the left, of the movement, I suppose. Um, related to what you were saying about Gabriel Nadeau-Dubois and Quebec Solidaire, we've seen a particular situation in Quebec, uh, which I think is of no, we, we should note, and we should talk a little bit about it. Um, the, the, the history of the struggle in Quebec has been, generally speaking, directly against the British monarchy. <laughs> as that's been central to the oppression of French, French Catholics and French speakers in Canada. Um, and, uh, and so the nationalist movement is generally representative of that struggle, or it's at least it's supposed to be politically. But yeah, what have we seen in the response from the, from the nationalists? Yeah, I mean, the, the main, the, the most clear example is, um, you know, uh, uh, François Legault, pretends to to uh, to be fighting uh, the federal state and you know oh, Trudeau and these people uh, we're gonna stand strong in front of them but uh, you, well last year he already had put the flag up at half mast when Prince Philip died and this year again uh, flag at half mast for for the death of Queen Elizabeth so. Uh, you know, stand up for Quebec, but uh, don't don't uh, stand stand up to the the institutions that oppress Quebec. That's uh, that that has been uh, the CACs and the François Legault's response. Um, but that's sort of to to be expected from uh, from someone who's who's, uh, who's not a, a an independentist. But you've also seen quite a a weak, meek response from uh, other nationalists like uh, Yves François Blanchet, uh, the leader of the Bloc Québécois, uh, who, who tweeted on the on, on the day saying that um, uh, Queen Elizabeth had been a positive force in, in world history, uh, which is an incredible statement. Uh, but he, he, he even doubled down. He wrote a letter saying that. Uh, um, that she had left, uh, she had led an exceptional life, and that we owe her great respect and an enduring admiration. And, and, but he says, despite that, well, maybe we should have a debate on on abolishing the monarchy. He's not saying he can't even bring himself to say openly that he he, he firmly believes that we have to to uh, to abolish the monarchies. He first has to. You know, bend bend over backwards to to the, the monarchists before saying, "Well, you know, you you're also not that good, so we would like to abolish you." Um, and you have also Paul Saint Pierre Plamondon, the leader of the Parti Québécois, um, who on the first day uh, put out a decent statement uh, to his to his credit. He, he denounced the, the flying of the flag at half mast saying we should not be paying any respect to an institution that is tied to our historical oppression as a people. But then 
uh, the next day he bent over to the, he, he bent to the pressure and and said that it was inappropriate for for him to uh, to 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 put out such a, sta a statement after François Legault, the, the nationalist, had criticized him on that. So you know this is such a a weak a weak response from people who pretend to be the the uh, the champions of the Quebecois people who pretend to to then uh, uh, want to fight against the Canadian state, but then can't even bring themselves to to make declarations that are that are you know denouncing the institutions that uh, that have historically oppressed them. Yeah, so that's absolutely somewhat shocking to be honest i lived in quebec for many years and it's just common currency in the movement in the nationalist movement or in the movement in general that you don't like the monarchy the vast majority of the population wants to abolish the monarchy and here you have the the bourgeois nationalist leaders saying extremely nice things about the the head of this institution that has historically oppressed the quebecois people um so yeah i guess this leads to the question of should we should we be respectful to uh, ruling class? Should we be respectful to the queen? Should we be respectful to British monarchs? Um, and I would, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll venture a guess at the answer of this question <laughs> from the left as a Marxist, as a socialist, I would say, no, we shouldn't. And this is supreme hypocrisy. Are these people respectful for the millions of people that they kill and their policies harm and kill around the world. No, they are not. Are they, do they, do they celebrate the lives of the millions of Indians that were killed by the policies of the British uh, government and the Brit and, and therefore the British uh, Royal family, the role that they played in the colonization, they don't do the slightest. And the right wing doesn't demand that, but they demand that we bend over backwards to show immense respect for the head of a, one of the most reactionary institutions in the history of the world, to be honest. <laughs> and so I think from the left, we, we need to not fall into that trap and not bend to that, um, that we should be critical of the British monarchy and of Queen Elizabeth II. And we should, uh, and we should not, again, bend to that pressure from the capitalist establishment, ultimately, which is trying to shore up support for one of the pillars of its, uh, that it uses in Canada to exist and to uh, support itself. Um, yeah, so this, you know, we got to, you, you can't bend to that respectability politics, you should stand on principle, right? And those, therefore, those comments from from Jagmeet Singh or GND and 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 nationalists in Quebec are quite scandalous. It's it's saying things that are actually false, <laughs> largely, um, and sowing illusions in the British monarchy. Um, yeah. So uh, moving on, I guess this leads into the question of well, what is this all? Just like what is this? Like I think a lot of people, for a lot of people, the monarchy doesn't really play much direct role in your life. You know. Does it matter? Uh, isn't this just a bunch of uh, uh, symbolic nonsense? Um, like, yeah, what is the, I guess this leads into the Marxist approach on it. What, what is the significance of the monarchy? Um, already before, uh, I, and, and Benoit, as you mentioned, already before the 
the death of the queen, you had earlier this year, there was a Leger poll that showed that 53% of Canadians think that the British monarchy is out of date and no longer has a place in the 21st century. Uh, as as we already, me already mentioned, it's worth noting that in Quebec, this is even stronger with 74% of respondents in this poll wanting to abolish the monarchy. Um, so, and, and, and really this is, this is not hard to see why. The monarchy is not simply some symbolic thing that has no impact in our lives. Um, the governor general is a, as representative of the queen in Canada. Uh, the last governor general, Julie Payette, was forced to resign after she was, former employees were denouncing her for basically her abusive behavior. Um, the, this has actually, basically, we pay as Canadians for the governor general. The Canadian state through taxpayers money pays $67.1 million on the governor general each year. Uh, in line with this, the governor generals um, get, get salaries of more than 100000 a year. The Senate, which is unelected, which is based off the model of the House of Lords in Britain, uh, costs the federal government $114 million. Uh, this was in the 2019-2020 year. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the significance of the monarchy really is, you know, this is a real thing. This is, it, it exists in the real world. And, it, and I guess leading into the next one, it has real consequences. And those consequences are entirely negative. Um, but I guess that leads into the question of, yeah, is it just a symbol? I think a lot of people think that this is just some symbolic thing that's kind of nice to keep around. Um, I know, Benoit, do you have some words to say about that? What What is the role that the British monarchy plays or can play in, in politics? Yeah, that's an interesting thing, but uh, I think it is a, a symbol with a real, <laughs> with a rea a real effect in the world. That a real dangerous symbol in a, in a way, uh, and, and the interesting thing is, uh, until I think the end of the 19th century, the the British monarchy was sort of played a very second secondary role in in, in British mark uh, in the, the British uh, politics, and it was not until the, really the rise of class politics and the rise of the militant uh, uh, labor movement in, in, in uh, the, the UK that the British capitalists, uh, the British ruling class sort of took out the, the, this institution from the, you know, the, the back of the pantry basically and, uh, and really dusted it off um, and invented all the, pen, the the pageantry and the and the imagery and really put it in the forefront. Um, before that, actually, it was a, more of a subject of mockery from the ruling class in, in Britain. But then they found it to be useful, and so all the, the pageantry and the imagery is actually pretty recent. It's it, it's uh, it's only a centuries or, or so old, um, and it was because. They, they found it useful to create this, this image, um, the, the symbol of, of stability and the symbol of, of unity of, of the nation uh, to sort of, uh, uh, yeah, to, 
well, for multiple reasons. Um, for, first, to sort of mystify, uh, uh, to, to create this, this mystical thing uh, around, uh, around power. For, uh, and, and also, uh, for, for more um, uh, insidious reason, and uh, you have to, the, the thing to understand is the, the, the monarchy, uh, fundamentally, it plays, it plays the role of a last line of defense. Uh, it's the, uh, the last line of defense of, uh, of the, the, the status quo of the, the, of the ruling class. So in, in normal times, um, you know, you have parliament, the, uh, and in parliament, well, the different rules, the, the, the different, sorry, wings of the ruling class are exchanging power. And no, you know, the, the, the interests of, of working people are not allowed to be there, to, to be uh, ex expressed there. Um, but the, the danger with, uh, for the ruling class with, uh, um, with uh, universal uh, voting rights uh, is that, well, wor workers can vote. And so you need this last line of defense to, in, in case where, uh, where parliament gets out of hand, that the, the queen, which is the, or now the king, which is the last, the, 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 the you know, the, the, in the last analysis, the, the, uh, in control of, you know, the, the army and, and the executive, uh, so that it, it can take it back from, from parliament. And all this pageantry and this, uh, the, the, this uh, symbolism and this uh, uh, so this mysticism around the the, um, the queen is is to maintain the the this appearance of of um, um, uh, of neutrality, but in in reality the queen the, it's the queen is not neutral or the king the monarchy is not neutral it's it's preserving the status quo. It's it, that's what it's it really stands for, and it will be used uh, if necessary. If uh, it it can be used as a sort of a place around which uh, the all the reactionary forces in, in society uh, can be uh, uh, can unite um, if if things get out of out of hand, if um, uh, if uh, in basically in, in case of a revolution, um, uh, and if, for instance, uh, I think last year uh, there was a National Post Post article saying that in an epoch where um, you know mil uh, activists uh, more and more define the world in Marxian terms, bourgeoisie against proletariat oppressor versus oppressed, uh, we are very lucky uh, as Canadians to be served by uh, this institution. And basically saying, well, as the world is becoming more inst unstable, we need this source of stability, this last line of defense. Um, uh, and that's, that's basically the, the role of, of the, the, um, the monarchy. So in, in normal days, it's not, it doesn't do anything. It's when the system is threatened that all the reactionary forces, the army, for instance, can 
can can be put in the hands of of this uh, this defender of the status quo. Yeah, so very real and plays a very real reactionary role in politics, as you've explained, not not a neutral body. Um, and there actually have been a few examples of this. You just mention a couple of things uh, in Australia, which is a constitutional monarchy as well. In 1972, there was a Labour Party elected on the program of a many progressive, a bunch of progressive reforms. Progressive for workers, of course, not progressive for the monarchy uh, or the ruling class. And there was a constitutional coup by the crown in 1975, which gave power to the conservatives. Um, in Canada, you had uh, basically a situation in 2008 where the governor general, Michel Jean, uh, refused a coalition government to form, even though it was a majority of the seats and the majority of the votes in the parliament. This was entirely anti-democratic. Um, anyway, there's been many examples of this uh, in the reactionary role that the monarchy can play, the Senate can play, which is connected to the question, the, the question of the monarchy, in blocking anything that threatens the power of the ruling class or anything that would fundamentally challenge capitalism. Uh, and yeah, really, that's the role of the monarchy. Um, but yeah, as, as you've mentioned, it's not it's not simply a uh, a force to block the class struggle or block progressive measures but it's also uh to 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 give an, a certain appearance and to act as a bit of a a show you know a bit of a distraction and definitely the death of the queen they've they've done that you know they this big this big uh celebration of her life basically that they're requiring everyone to do um before we move on uh yeah, obviously this leads into the question of like, well, how do we, what do we do about it then? If it's a real threat, it's of a real danger that can be used against the movement, then what what is the position of Marxists and socialists with regards to uh, what do we do about the monarchy? Before we get into that, I want to take a brief commercial break uh, to plug our paper papers. Um, yes, you are listening to This Week in the Canadian Revolution, a podcast put on by Fight Back, the Marxist voice of labor and youth. Uh, in Canada. Um, and we have two publications. We have an English uh, language publication, Fight Back Magazine, um, Marxist.ca, and a French publication, La Riposte Socialiste, Marxist.qc.ca. Um, and yeah, this week, uh, as is tradition, I'll read out our new subscribers. We have nine new subscribers, seven to Fight Back and seven, or and two to La Riposte Socialiste. So we have uh, fight back subscribers, Aaron, uh, Ajan, Mariam, Thomas, Stuart, Lee, and Cameron. Thank you very much for subscribing to Fight, Ma fight Back magazine. And uh, Ladipos Socialist subscribers, we have Saif, uh, Bastien, uh, who have subscribed, and, and Bastien, who have subscribed to Ladipos Socialist this week. So again, thank you to everyone. You're really helping us spread uh, the 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 a Marxist analysis uh, in in Canada and in Quebec, and I encourage anyone listening here if you have not already subscribed to one or both of our papers, I think you should subscribe to both of them. Uh, please go to our websites and you will find links to subscribe there. Um, and yes, if you agree with us and you like this podcast and you like what we do, please become a solidarity subscriber where you can uh, give us 
10, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks a month to help us continue the work that we do in spreading the, or building the forces of Marxism in Canada so that we can abolish the monarchy <laughs> is one of the things that we stand for. Um, so I'll get right into it. Yeah, if the monarchy is a real danger, um, well, shouldn't we get rid of it? Isn't it pretty straightforward? We don't need feudalism anymore. We don't need we don't need a king. What's the point of this? Isn't it shouldn't it just be a rather simple measure to do away with the British monarchy? We are constant. Why are we a constitutional monarchy? Why do you even need that? Um, but yeah, if this would be, I think in a lot of people's minds, this is and according to the polls that most people in Canada want to do away with the monarchy. Well, isn't that just a logical conclusion? And shouldn't that be a relatively simple matter? Um, this leads into the question of the Canadian Constitution. Um, but yeah, is that, I don't know, Benoit, you want to come in on this? Is that a, how easy would it be to do away with the monarchy in Canada? Um, yeah. So, um, well, the, the short answer is very hard. Uh, but the, the long answer is uh, it, it's uh, the, the, the monarchy is, I mean, uh, intrinsically linked to the, the Canadian constitution. Uh, and like in, in the constitution, it's, it's written that the queen is, uh, is invested with the executive power, um, that the queen is the, or, or the king is the commander in chief of military forces. That's like, that's written in the constitution. And it's not just like an old thing. I mean, courts have uh, reaffirmed this principle recently as, as recently as, uh, as uh, 2013, there was a law uh, re reaffirming this principle. And there was uh, um, uh, more multiple court cases in the last, uh, 10, 15 years, uh, saying saying that again. Um, so it's not just an old thing that it's, is not recognized or applied anymore. Um, it's in the constitution. And the thing is, we have uh, we have, according to uh, to constitutional experts, the most uh, difficult uh, constitution to uh, to amend in the world. Um, yeah, in, in other countries, uh, Australia, New Zealand, whatever, uh, uh, in, in uh, a lot of these uh, countries, it would take a simple majority vote in parliament to, to abolish, uh, to cut the ties with, with the monarchy. Um, in, in England, the constitution is not even written. Uh, it would probably be even easier, but uh, I mean, legally maybe not politically <laughs> but uh here uh we have uh, this article 41 in the in the constitution that uh that presents the the, the amend the that explains the unanimous amendment formula which is necessary uh to basically to abolish the constitution and abolish the senate and uh it's this requires uh, anonymous consent of the Senate, the Commons, the, and the Legislative Assembly of every province in the country, uh, which, which is basically uh, all, almost impossible to reach. 
I mean, uh, each province could use a situation like a proposal to abolish the monarchy uh, as a as a, a, a bargaining chip because every province would have a veto. Could say no, we won't do it until you um, unless you give us this or that. Um, and I mean that's something we have already seen in the past during the the Meech and Charlottetown constitutional talks um, in eighty seven and ninety two, uh, where different provinces had different uh, requests, and that's basically what led to a, a breakdown of the of the talks. Um, and so. A situation like this would certainly happen if, if uh, there was a tentative to, to try to uh, amend the constitution. So that's why uh, main, like mainstream politic political parties don't even bring, attend, uh, attempt to bring it up because they know it would be a huge mess uh, if that, that uh, uh, discussion even, even became mainstream, you know. Um, it would be a huge constitutional mess to try to abolish um, the monarchy in Canada. Uh, and that's why they, well, that's partly why they don't do it. They also don't do it because they want to keep the monarchy, but that's, uh, that's a given. So, yeah, probably most definitely can't abolish the monarchy legally through constitutional means, as Benoit has described here. Uh, so uh yeah it plays a real uh uh or, or there, there's a real problem in canada it is a our constitution is almost impossible to amend and therefore it's almost impossible to do away with the monarchy um so yeah anyone who just thought that that would be a relatively simple matter where it doesn't matter what the majority thinks is that is that democratic not very democratic at all um before we get into i guess we're going to have to get into, well, does that mean we just give up and we can't abolish the monarchy? We have to keep spending these, whatever it is, a few couple hundred million dollars every year and have the unelected Senate and the governor general interfere in Canadian politics. Um, there's a, I guess, an important angle to, we've already talked about it a bit, but there's the, the, the Quebec uh, angle. Um, because yeah, the Quebecois are historically pressed people in Canada in particular by the British monarchy, but by the federal Canadian state, by the, by the, the, uh, the, uh, the ruling class in Canada. And so there is, as we said, a high, generally speaking, uh, a high kind of desire to do away with the monarchy. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked a bit about where that's come from, but um, yeah, what is, I don't know, Benoit, do you want to maybe just come in a bit and describe like, what's the political What's the political opinion? I sort of the ma mainstream political opinion historically been on uh, on the monarchy in Quebec. I'm, I mean, um, in the in the nationalist movement uh, up until the the fifties, it was actually quite uh, quite monarchist or accepting of the monarchy. Let's put it this way, where you had the the, the more the conservative uh, nationalists like like uh, Lionel Groux and and Splessy, uh, who were sort of, they, basically their approach was wanting more autonomy, more more powers for Quebec inside the, the Canadian constitutional order. So they were not calling for any, uh, you know, any overthrow of the whole system. They were just fighting for their little turf inside, uh, inside the, the federation 
and therefore they accepted the, the, the queen uh, or the king. Uh, and in the 50s, they're starting, they started having more of a, a Republican trend. Um, uh, but it's really with the with the 70s, the, the 60s and the rise up of the um, the independentists, the, the separatists, uh, the, the, which were uh, uh, the, the, the left of which was very anti-imperialist, uh, fighting the, the um, you know, linked to the, the decolonization movement around the world. Um, so in 64, there was a, a visit of the queen and that triggered the, um, a, a riot. Um, and so uh, it's been, yeah, it's, you, you had a very, a real re Republican trend, uh, uh, important Republican trend in the, in the, the left, let's say, of the nationalist movement historically. Uh, it was sort of, it was a given that you, you fought against the crown. Um, but the, the main, sort of the main um, uh, argument on how we should abolish it has, has been mostly, uh, well, we're going to abolish it by, uh, by cutting ties with Canada, by, you know, separating. And that's what uh, recently uh, Gabriel Nadeau-Dubois and Paul of uh, Quebec Solidaire and Paul Saint-Pierre Flamandon have both said, yeah, let's, let's abolish the monarchy by, well, not, let's not abolish it, but let's cut ties to the monarchy by uh, um, separating from Canada, basically. Um, that has been the, the approach. Okay, well, so uh, I guess what the Marxist approach to this is that genuine Quebecois nationalists that want to fight against the monarchy, we're we work with, we're entirely uh, in agreement with on this question, uh, and we work we will we'll work shoulder to shoulder with anybody that wants to fight against the monarchy, um, and so yeah, we. We, we, we simply, I guess the where Marxists differ from nationalists here is we simply believe that with such widespread support for abolishing the monarchy across the country, the best road, the best way to do it to actually fight against the monarchy is actually an internationalist approach, not a nationalist approach. It's, a, it's the approach of uniting working class people, indigenous people, oppressed people uh, in English Canada, in Quebec, um, with with francophones that desire to fight against the monarchy with people in britain who want to fight against the monarchy uh to fight for a, a voluntary socialist union uh a socialist republic actually uh of quebec uh, uh canada you know with with the a socialist republic with 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 the people of the world um and yeah really that's the way to defeat the monarchy. The monarchy is is uh, not simply existing in Britain or in Canada. <laughs> it is more of an international phenomenon as well. So we do need to, if we want to really do away with the monarchy and its its oppression, its uh, its dominance, its interference in in politics in Canada, we need to yeah unite with people across across the country and ultimately across the world who want to do this as well. So we fight for a united class struggle. And to build a revolutionary movement against the against the monarchy, which again we'll get into that a bit more in the question of how to 
abolish the monarchy. Uh, Benoit, you want to come in on this? Yeah, and, and I, I think it's this really contrasts with the, this approach of the of the, the independentists, the separatists, which is it, it sounds more realistic, but it's it actually isn't. Uh, at least from from the 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 let's the, let's call it the bourgeois reformist point of view that is usually adopted by by the these separatists like Paul Saint-Pierre Plamondon and and François Blanchet who think oh yeah we'll separate and that's that's gonna uh, that it's gonna be done done like that whereas in in practice things are never uh, as simple as that because these people they you know they accept yeah they maybe they don't accept the, the Canadian framework but they cer certainly accept the capitalist framework and they're not ready to to um, to kick the uh, the the ornest nests nests of a revolution of triggering of mass movement of people but that's what would re would be required uh, in the you know if they really wanted. To, to succeed in their uh, in uh, in an independentist movement and and actually these people are not ready to fight um, for independence. I mean, let's look at the example of Catalonia uh, a few years ago, where there was a, 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 um, a separation a vote for separation, but the Spanish state basically sent uh, the police and the army and prevented. Uh, the the, um, uh, the implementation of the independence and Puigdemont, the, the bourgeois nationalist uh, president of, of Catalonia, basically refused to stand up to the, the Spanish state and uh, basically gave up. Uh, and Catalonia is not independent now. And that's also what you saw actually in, in the 30s and in, in, uh, again in Catalonia where the same bourgeois nationalists again declared a republic that lasted, I think, one day before it was uh, overthrown by the Spanish state. Um, and in in Quebec, these these bourgeois nationalists. Well, you have the example of two uh, bourgeois nationalists, Mario Dumont and and uh, and uh, um, uh, Lucien Bouchard, uh, who were. Uh, part of the, the negotiation team uh, during the 1995 referendum, uh, they admitted later that they were actually not ready to, to separate if Quebec actually, if the, the, vote, the, the yes vote had, had succeeded and that they, they planned to use the, the yes vote as a bargaining chip against, uh, against Canada to gain basically more power of, uh, to for Quebec, um, and they would not have been ready to stand up to the Canadian state, which planned on not applying the, the independence vote. If you uh, look at, I mean, uh, uh, Jean Chrétien admitted that he was going to refuse uh, a yes vote, uh, that he was he was planning on uh, trying to delay as much as possible and impose a second vote and stuff like that to prevent the, the separation of Quebec. So to apply the vote, uh, independent, this would have had to mobilize a mass movement and force the Canadian state to allow uh, this separation, which they were not ready to do. 
they were not ready to mobilize masses of people, which could have led to revolutionary situation, which could have got, gotten out of hand. And so these people, I mean, the same people like PSP, uh, Paul Saint-Pierre Flamondon, again, refused to, uh, to uh, back uh, his comments on, on the flying of the flag at, at, at mass. These people are, are meek and weak and uh, not really ready to defend their own ideas. So the, if you think that independence is more of an easy way out of the monarchy, then, uh, uh, well, it's, it's not. It's also a, sort of a, a catch-22 uh, uh, or, uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're not, not more easy to get out of uh, the monarchy from independence than any other means. Yeah, so equally, you know, the, the Canadian Constitution is not only makes makes abolishing the monarchy difficult, it also would make anyone that would desire to have an independent Quebec, which is definitely a segment, a significant segment of the population in Quebec, <laughs> make that almost virtually impossible as well. So this is why what we argue is a revolutionary solution to the question of the oppression of the Quebecois and the question of national liberation. Um, and yeah, I do believe that class, you know, class always comes first. That, and this is why I think a lot of these bourgeois nationalists, you mentioned Lucien Bouchard, for him, he, he was just using the question as a bargaining chip. I even think René Lévesque was doing that as well with the first referendum. They're just using it as a bargaining chip to get a better deal um, so that they can, the, the Quebecois bourgeoisie could come into being, which it did, and now it rules the roost, which is also why they... They don't mind. They don't mind celebrating the monarch and saying she's wonderful. <laughs> it doesn't affect them very much. So uh, yeah, I think class comes first, and therefore for us, class must come first too. That we f take a united class position in the fight against the oppression of the Quebec Quebec people, and for the national liberation of of the Quebecois and a revolutionary struggle um, against the ruling class. Um, in order to do so. And actually, I think part of that struggle is against the ruling class, the Quebecois ruling class, who actually don't really want to lead a struggle for national liberation. Uh, and actually have moved, as you've have you said, they've people like Francois Legault have resuscitated the old duplicy position of kind of supporting the monarchy or working within the institutions that oppress the people, uh, because it is a bourgeois movement. Um, anyway, this is this is uh, another angle in the, the question of the monarchy. I think we should move on. But the, yeah, the question of Quebec, very important, can't be resolved. Uh, I believe it can't be resolved within the Canadian Constitution. Um, another important angle here is the oppression of Indigenous people. As we know, Canada, or what has become known as Canada, uh, prior to colonization uh, by, well, the French, mainly the French and the British, was home to... Uh, many different indigenous peoples and, and uh the yeah the colonization of of the americas was a was a, a a horrible event that led to millions and millions and millions of indigenous deaths i believe in excess of over 100 million has even been um calculated by some academics um now it is sort of argued almost by some people that <clears throat> the you know, this colonization that was done under the British crown, that somehow the British crown was, you know, innocent here, or they didn't do it. It wasn't them. <laughs> it was just some mean, mean people that were not doing what the crown wanted. And uh, 
and that you know even there's this you know a lot of indigenous uh land claims uh today legally in canada are based on what is known as the royal proclamation of 1763 which is a proclamation uh, issued by uh uh the british government that's that says that the land the title to land belongs to first nations indigenous people unless it's formally extinguished by a treaty and so a lot of indigenous land claim negotiations are based on this still to this day are based on this and so therefore because of this proclamation you have people like uh i'll just quote this guy nathan tidridge who's an author who He's written quite a bit about the relationship between indigenous people and the crown. He has basically used this proclamation to state that abolishing the monarchy will would actually complete the colonization of indigenous people. So you can't abolish the monarchy. Um, otherwise, you'd just be oppressing and colonizing indigenous people more um, to think. Now, I mean, that might sound a bit wild based to some people based on you're, if you have a, uh, the, even the slightest knowledge about the colonization of Canada, you'll know that the British monarchy played a central role in this. Um, so, yeah, to say that you can't abolish the monarchy without oppressing indigenous people is a quite a, uh, it's quite an impressive uh, logical uh, leap of, of thought. Um, but yeah, I guess that gets into how we can uh, do that. And it gets down to the whole question, actually. Yes, the Canadian Constitution, the Canadian legal setup is a mess. And if you did have the abolish, abolition of the monarchy, while capitalism was still maintained in Canada, it is true that there is a portion of the uh, the monarchy that would use, or sorry, of the Canadian capitalist class that would use the situation maybe to, to uh, use the opportunity to free themselves of their treaty obligation, their obligations to First Nations people. Um, but this is actually highly unlikely that they do away with the monarchy, as we've already explained, because the Canadian capitalist class relies on things like the governor general, the unelected Senate, and the, and the monarchy uh, to rule. Um, so yeah, this gets back to the main question. It's linked to the so the struggle against the monarchy uh, cannot be some legalistic struggle within the confines of the Canadian Constitution and Canadian capitalism, but must be linked to a, a revolution against Canadian capitalism, therefore against the Canadian state, uh, against the Canadian government. Um, and the capitalists have, yes, and the, and, and the British monarchy have violated Indigenous rights uh, throughout the centuries. And, and we need the, to right this historic wrong, you need a socialist revolution of all oppressed peoples, working class people in Canada. Um, yeah, against uh, all of the institutions of bourgeois rule, which includes uh, the British monarchy. Um, but yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that's another uh, issue related to how to abolish the monarchy in Canada, which is, as I hope we have made crystal clear, <laughs> is, is impossible within the legal framework of Canadian cap of the Canadian capitalist state, which is made, which is almost impossible to do anything, whether it's yeah, abolish the monarchy, even though the majority of people want to do that, or if, you know, in, in terms of Quebec, liberation of Quebec, all virtually impossible. Uh, or yes, the oppression of indigenous people is not something that can really be rectified within this current framework. Um, but I guess the long waited question, well, then what the heck do we do about it? Um, uh, if the monarchy is such a 
<clears throat> rotten institution. And if, yes, Queen Elizabeth II was bad, I will say that here. I know she just passed away. I don't believe in, as we've made clear, respectability politics. This is a horrible ruler of a horrible institution that has played a very negative role in history for colonized people around the world, for working class people uh, in Britain and internationally, for people in Canada, for the Quebecois, for indigenous people and for working class people. So how do we abolish the monarchy? Um, yeah, Benoit, I don't know if you want to, do you want to come in here and say a few words about that? How can we, can we even abolish the monarchy? Is it possible? I mean, I think it's certainly possible, uh, but uh, the the thing is the institutions that, or the, the current legal framework does not actually allow for it. And so the, the ruling class has created all these institutions, these anti-democratic institutions, uh, to protect it, its own rule, basically, and uh, it created no legal way to to uh, abolish these anti-democratic institutions, and then and so it pretends to to have this, uh, you know, Canadian. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, uh, sorry for my French, but as Jean Jean uh, Chrétien said, it's la plus meilleure la plus meilleure pays au monde. Uh, the, the best country in the world, uh, but it's it's ruled by undemocratic feudal institutions that you can't even get rid of legally. Um, well, if these people don't want to give us democratic institutions and don't want to give us uh, legal ways to to uh, to change these anti-democratic institutions, when what what through what right can they? deny us the right to overthrow these, uh, these anti-democratic institutions. I, I think it's perfectly, we're perfectly justified in saying, well, then it's, it's our, our right to, uh, to, to impose our uh, democratic institutions in, instead of, of these, these feudal relics. And I think in, in this epoch, it's not, uh, it's not um, uh, crazy to think of, uh, uh, of, le of revolutionary means uh, to uh, to abolish the monarchy. Uh, on the contrary, I mean, look at at the events around the world. Uh, uh, look at the events in Sri Lanka two, two months ago, or, or one month ago, where they basically overthrew the the president. Uh, I'm, I mean, it's a few years ago. It was every month or a couple months, there was a revolutionary movement in one country. These days, you can't even uh, follow along. They, they happen so quickly. Uh, we are definitely going through uh, a revolutionary epoch. People are, are sick and tired of, of uh, capitalism and climate crisis and inflationary crisis and economic crisis and housing crisis. And, uh, health crisis. Um, so revolutions are inevitable. And actually, Britain, uh, I, before the Queen had died, was, uh, I, I wouldn't say they were on the, the brink of a revolution, certainly not, but the, the country was extremely, <laughs> was on the brink of, of mass movements with, uh, with unions breaking into wildcat strikes, left and right. Uh, um, mass uh, discontent, and so we're not we're maybe not there yet in, in Canada, but 
we can expect i don't think uh we should uh deny the i mean there's a real possibility that it, it happens sooner sooner or later uh, actually it will happen sooner or later but there's a real possibility that it happens in the let's say short to medium term um and um uh, yeah, it's, it just poses the question, what will we do when this, these movements happen? Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, Marxism is the long view of history. And if you take a long view of history, monarchies have risen and fallen throughout the, throughout the last several thousand, five, six, seven mm -hmm. thousand years. <laughs> As long as monarchs, some monarchies have been around, royal families, um, not just monarchies, different, different civilizations, different ruling classes, um, different, you've had many different, you've had revolutions after revolutions, you've had big world conflicts. And from a Marxist point of view, the viability of any socioeconomic system is based on its, its ability to develop the productive forces. Capitalism can no longer develop the productive forces. Um, and so that's why we're seeing this as Benoit has described here, the, the revolutionary, the revolutionary epoch, the political, the social and political repercussions of this economic dead end that the capitalist system finds itself in. And then how this relates to monarchy is, as I hope we've laid out here, is that the British, <clears throat> the British in, in a kind of funny historical contradiction here, the British were the main motive for spreading capitalism over the world throughout the years of colonization and whatnot um while still having a monarchy right they only partially got rid of it in the great in the revolution of uh with cromwell and whatnot which was by the way they beheaded a charles so i guess the historic irony we get is there's another there is a charles on the throne uh the history nerd in me hopes that there is a Charles on the throne and for the British Revolution, which would be interesting. Um, but yeah, we, we live in a revolutionary epoch, the social and political repercussions of this and the, 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 the British capitalism and, and in part Canadian capitalism, yes, is, has used the question of the British monarchy to rule and to maintain stability. But now the economic foundations of, if you watched any of the celebrations of the life of Queen Elizabeth II, you know, I don't hold it against you if you didn't. <laughs> it was it was quite something. This is a pretty boring, actually. Uh, what they talked about a lot is stability, how, how stable she was. And if you think about it, she started ruling in '52, which is a very uh, lucky time for her. Actually, <clears throat> it was the beginning of the post-war boom, and she ruled through the uh, the one of the more stable periods, actually, um, for large parts of it, and. I do not think that the future of the new British monarch, King Charles III, is going to be one of stability. Uh, as we've already laid out, the capitalist system is not in the middle of a post-war boom or a boom, any form of boom, but is in the middle of a big crisis, <clears throat> in particular in Britain. And yes, they're using the question of the death of the Queen now to try to whip up national unity around the Queen, as they like to do, but this won't last forever. And at the end of the day, the material conditions of people's lives, which are getting worse, not just in Britain, but in Canada, in, a, in the United States, and in, in every country in the world, and that there's a disconnect between the institutions 
of bourgeois rule, including the Senate, the governor general, the monarchy as a whole, uh, and the material conditions of people's life, and the, 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 the real lack of development of the productive forces in the economy, and that is going to come into clash at a certain point. And people are inevitably questioning <clears throat> all the institutions of bourgeois rule. And, uh, and therefore, I think revolution is on the agenda sooner or later, even in a country like Canada. This podcast is called This Week in the Canadian Revolution for a reason, because we live in a revolutionary epoch. And that poses a very important way to solve things like the British monarchy, because as we have laid out here, it's not really possible legally, constitutionally, to do so. <clears throat> but it is possible with a revolutionary movement of working class people. The forms of this overly complicated, ridiculous setup that we have with the Canadian Constitution uh, are really, at the end of the day, just pieces of paper when the masses move into action. So ultimately, that is the solution to the question of the British monarchy. Uh, in Canada, that is how we can abolish the British monarchy in Canada is is through a mass revolution of working class people of English Canadians, immigrants, Quebecois workers, uh, indigenous people against the ruling class and against their all the institutions that they use to maintain their rule, the federal state and the feudal relics that we've talked about here, the governor general, the Senate, um, you know, down with the the anti what is essentially an anti-democratic constitution that cannot really be reformed and and we fight for a socialist republic of canada in a free and democratic socialist union with socialist republic of quebec uh and connected to a larger uh socialist uh united socialist republic of of peoples of the world and really that's that's the long-term goal that's and that's the way that's the end goal of a of a world revolution of the pro, of the proletariat and all oppressed peoples, um, and that's the way we can fight against the monarchy. You have been listening to this week in the Canadian Revolution, where we analyze the events of the class struggle, the turbulence and polarization brought upon by the crisis of the capitalist system, in order to prepare activists for the coming revolutionary events so that we can fight back and build socialism in our lifetime. You can find us at marxist.ca and we will be doing this podcast every week. So we hope that you tune in again.